Welcome to RC Heli Nation version 2.0. I am Nick, and this is episode number 183. With me tonight, I have the two comedians of the bunch, Justin and Jesse. What's up? What's going on? No no witty humor to start us off? Uh, not after that intro. I give up, dude. I, I actually paused there because I had fallen asleep at the mic. <laughs> That was last week's. Joke. That was last week's. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah. still true. So, but but still <laughs> true. Well, whatever. It is uh, a different night again that we're getting used to. It's it's just it's a little different. I, I feel different. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit a little bit odd. I wouldn't say it's a bad different though. Just, no, because uh, we get to, different is good. We, yeah, we get to get out and enjoy our, our weekends a little more thoroughly with this format. But yeah, that's all right. So speaking of weekends, Mr. Samonson. Yo. Is it Salmonson or Salmonson? Wait a minute. Is that his last name? No, it's Salmonson. Salmonson. There you no, go. You, know, you can say it really, however. It don't matter. Depends on if you're from Canada or from here. Yeah. <laughs> So tr- that probably is, that, unfortunately that's probably more true than we'd like than to most say. people know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what'd you do? What you got what going did, on? What did I do? Yeah. Did you All fly right. that day of Kronos yet? Whoa. Whoa. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. So much. Ag- <laughs> you know, I, I I got attacked last week, and I I didn't like it. You know, I did not like the aggression towards me on the show. Towards your lack of resolve and completing your conversion. That I know. Justin's. God, here we go again. Yeah, Justin's completely out of the slow build. So, Justin, you just passed along a torch that you don't have to worry about for a while. Yes. It has now moved along to a competition between you and Chris Trevi. Which I won. Yeah, but. Because he. Well, little did he know he already lost before he challenged me. But he's building his first nitro, which is like completely different. You are rebuilding a helicopter. Wait, 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 wait. How is it different? Huh? How is a a nitro completely different? Well, he's got to learn and, you know. It's got like a tank with some rubber (laughs) tubing and an engine. Yeah, well, those engines are, you know, to some people. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, well, I, hear a, like, I hear a whole glows, lot of justification going on there. Switch glo- no, it's actually mockery. It's not justification. Because <laughs> I get to make fun of both of you guys for being the longest builders ever. Now, how long did it take Chris to get his build done? It's not done. It's, it's not done. It's still not done. <laughs> it's not even yeah. done. When did he start it? I don't know. 
2012 or something. Jesse, you started, yours took officially four weeks, didn't it? No, two and a half. No. Yeah. No. We have been ridiculing (laughs) you for at least three or four episodes now. Three. Three. Well, and then I got it done the uh, half a week before that episode. All right. So it was like two and a half weeks. So two and a half. I'm rounding up to three. Tell us about the conversion. That's fine. Okay. So unlike last week, I did get some flying in. Last Friday was a day off from work. So made out to the field. Didn't get a super long. You know, I wanted to have one of those days where you pack a lunch, but didn't happen. Had some other stuff I had to take care of in the morning. So I got out for a little bit in the afternoon, just enough to get the Kronos Maiden. So I did put six flights on it last Friday. And I got to say, you know, initially, and I think I might have mentioned this, you know, not a whole lot of expectation because you're going for it's it's kind of the same bones, I would say, for the most part as a 7HV with some key upgrades such as heads or the head frame support um, and that upsize in the main shaft. So bearing blocks and, you know, a lot of stuff like that. So. Honestly, I was just kind of expecting a very similar flying machine, but I got to say, I was quite pleasantly surprised when I took the heli off and started throwing the thing around. There honestly must be something to that head design and the dampers, because this thing was stopping on a dime before I really even got too deep into the tuning. You know, you kind of, flying 700 class machines, you kind of gauge on i'll probably end up around here on the head gain yeah yeah you know i know my paddle sim will be around here and so you kind of go through and throw your generic numbers in there but it was definitely not a nice maiden it was a (laughs) take it off give it a little shake nothing fell off the helicopter and then it was time to start beating it up (laughs) (laughs) as long as nothing falls off it's literally (laughs) a people joke when we say shake it out but you are actually shaking oh yeah yeah you you give it a good shake because then if something's going to fall off you want it right then and there yep not after you start beating it up so extremely happy with the flight performance i wasn't able to get it completely tuned on friday um went through and got the tail uh, most of the way dialed in and then got the head nearly dialed in um you know to the point where it's it's not it was 95 percent but just that little bit of ec- little bit extra that I know that I can get out of the model and out of the V bar. Uh, so on Sunday, I had the opportunity to make it out again, and this time I set set aside a little bit larger chunk of time. So I ended up getting in thirteen flights on Sunday. Damn, and nice. all all on the Chronos. So I didn't fly anything else back to back. It's great, you know, working the generator, uh, getting the charging case out, the whole deal. And just flying back to back for a couple hours, so it's awesome. No one else was out at the field. The weather was, um, it was it was pretty decent. I was wearing shorts and a sweatshirt, and so you know, pretty great for this time of the year. And really went through in between every single flight. You know, I found myself going back to the bench, making little mental notes, going through using bank switching like crazy, just getting down into that fine. Okay, there's a little bit of a bobble. What if I go? know two point increments bank one two three and change the head gain how's it going to respond or can i get it just a little bit better so going through and doing that type of stuff and one of my major findings that i'm actually really excited to report is if you'll remember back this is the first time using the castle v bar gov combo 
Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. right. And so you know, went through and set that up on this helicopter. I had the Castle Edge 120 HV laying around, so you know it has that nice extra wire for the RPM sensor. So you just plug that into the V bar, mm-hmm. and essentially you're good to go. No spe- no, no uh, crazy power wires to power a sensor up or anything like that. So super convenient. Uh, with a little bit of reading, I'd say the setup was fairly straightforward, and. I kind of I I just want to you know lay it right out there to start that the heli jive's already been sold. Wow! Nice. It is. Uh, it was boxed up by a Wednesday evening on its way to someone else's house. Um, the V bar gov was awesome. I mean, hands down, better in in my opinion. I don't I don't know what else really to say. The uh, one thing I can clearly say. And, you know, it, it is a little bit tougher because you've probably heard me mention before, my batteries are, they're not brand new batteries. Every single flight pack that's in my fleet right now has over 100 cycles on it, probably over 150 cycles on it, mm-hmm. honestly. So none of my packs are you know, super fresh, brand new, just got them broken um, or anything like that. But with the quality or I guess the age of my batteries, the Heli Jive is it definitely does not hold head speed like the V bar does. Now, I don't know if it's doing that on purpose because there's different modes on the heli jive where it can kind of assess the batteries and then scale the gov performance or scale the head speed, I guess, accordingly. But with the batteries that I currently have, the V bar gov made them feel like flyable. (laughs) Like I don't need to go out and buy brand new batteries right now. (laughs) That's awesome, dude. It's just deception. Trust me. (laughs) Well, it is because the first thing that I found myself doing was going, man, that little tail kick. (laughs) Yeah. Telling you how it, you know, and I was kicking myself for a little while on Sunday going, man, what am I? Okay. Let's go up a little bit on the pre-comp crap. Now the tail's going the wrong way. Like it's overcompensating going Mm -hmm. with the torque. Okay. It's definitely not pre-comp. No, lower that down. Maybe just my overall gain isn't quite dialed in enough, you know, so then go back, mess with the main gain a little bit. No, nope. It's still, it's over gaining when I'm doing my big right aileron loop. So that, that's definitely not it. And, you know, tweak the gov gain a little bit, tone it down. It, it, it didn't seem to matter what I did to try to address the little tail kick, but it, it's still there. Now, is it flyable? Absolutely. You know, there's almost no, negative performance issues with it and if i probably probably if i didn't point it out the average person probably wouldn't see it it's the last few percent of the tail tune yeah yeah exactly yeah so i i feel though for how much better it made the helicopter feel and how much better it feels like the head speed is holding that little tail kick is something i'm more than willing to deal with especially since it doesn't feel like i need to go out like last week and buy batteries you know yeah. So it's that's it's definitely sweet, dude. Making what I have usable. And then the great part is you know, even if the castle, let's say the you know, let's say the castle has issues or fails or something happens, well, even for what I sold a used heli jive for, I can go out and buy two more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so <laughs> And you weren't I mean like the whole BEC thing uh, really no, the I, the old heli jives uh, aren't cutting it anymore. Well, no, I, I wasn't using the BEC yeah. anyways. 
Yeah, were you have, using a BEC or were you still using a receiver? Pack? Nope, I I just have a two S lipo on there. Okay, um, and so yeah, I was not using the Heli Jive BEC, which you know that really made it such a simple transition too, because I wasn't relying on that Heli Jive for to power the the whole electro all the all of the electronics. Right. So yeah, made it just a nice easy transition. Swap that out, put the castle in there, and yeah, so literally I was just you know the Heli Jive was on there for the Gov performance. And you replace that with something, I guess that's, you know, cheaper and works just as well, if not better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a tough, it, I don't, I mean, I can't think of too many reasons why you wouldn't sell it. That's, I'm telling you, man, my, I've tried and flown a lot of crap, but I mean, best bang for the buck it, still, in my opinion, is, is the V-Bar castle combo. And, and I shouldn't say just castle. But I mean, V-bar any ESC combo is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think best bang for the buck makes sense because you can pair it with pretty much any ESC that you have confidence isn't going to burn your heli down. Yep. And yep. you're going to get it to work. But I still do actually kind of lean towards Castle because, you know, I I do feel that the, the for the majority of the part, and I mean, let's face it, I've seen every ESC light on fire and. Personally, I've lit just about You've lit all yeah, of you've, them on yes. fire is what you're except trying to say. That's just a castle. Except a castle. That is still on my list. But um, but getting the logging out of it and the mm-hmm. adjustability of the castle is really neat. Yep. And they are light, so I and like that too. super straightforward because you just, pl- especially with the Edge series, you just plug in the extra wire. You go into the castle software and mm-hmm. set what you use what you want that extra wire to be used for, what data you want it to transmit, and yeah. you're, you're done. It, I mean, it, it really is straightforward. And Yeah, and see, that's why I'm looking forward to the new BD unit coming out with an internal governor, because then I'll be able to play with that kind of stuff, too. I just kind of feel like yeah. it's it's where it's at. D- it's, it's a Now, in have. fairness to the Contronic, though, you can go in and tune mm-hmm. the, the PI and D gains on the governor. Yep. So for those people who are sitting here thinking, "Oh, Jesse just completely threw Contronic away," it's you have you didn't actually do any tuning on the Contronic. No, I did just you? didn't want to go out and pay another hundred some bucks for the programmer. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, think no, about and, that. And it's still from a from a cost effectivity standpoint. If you're running the V bar anyway, then mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah. you, but if you've got contronics and you're not getting the governor performance out of them that you think you could be, then you do the tuning. Yeah. You know, yep. whether you got a prog disc or you go and get one of the little $60 USB things, yep. you can do all the tuning there. Yep. And I, I was really amazed. I don't know if you've, what uh, what kind of luck you've had with this, Nick, but the V-Bar Gov, I found it even, at, I, I think I started out at a gain of like 40 and I probably ended like around 45, 46. Um, really? Just, yeah. What are you running? 30. 30. Almost across so the board. Almost across the board. 30, 30 is completely symptomless for, for me mm-hmm. on every heli that I've flown. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, you know, just keep, because I, I did drop it down into the 35, you know, just when I was going through trying to get rid of that tail kick. And I didn't find that it made a huge difference. And I could tell a little bit in the head holding uh, capabilities of it. So then I went back up to the 40 and I think I settled right around 43. 
um, on the GovGain, but I found it very, I guess, forgiving or easy, you know, easy to tune. It's not like, Oh yeah. It was more just for experimentation, not because there was a ton of negative symptoms that I now have to try to tune out because mm-hmm. of, because of the gov gain. It's just right, yeah. So, yeah, and I would say, yeah, overall, very positive experience. So. Okay, so what to- are you doing with the money that you got out of the heli drive? Well, right now it's just burning a hole in my PayPal account. Oh, that so, that that hurts, man. No buy yet, but did sell. So sweet. sweet. What about Sim? Didn't sim. Oh. Nope. That's not a surprise. Not. <laughs> no, I I mean, eight, 18 flights, so. Did you think about simming? I did think about simming because I have the I have my real flight transmitter strategically placed on my desk or I have to at least look at it and make that connection and then right. go, nope, the I'm not going to do that, it. <laughs> the, just the over time, you will accumulate yeah. enough looks at the transmitter that eventually you're just going to have to break down and. Well, yeah, I at least want Hold to see it, it so and then that that'll I feel get you bad. covered for the next couple of months. Exactly. Yeah. And I just want to see it so that I at least feel bad that I'm not simming. I don't right. want to just put it in the closet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, no sim. So awesome. That's about it for me. So good. Yeah, it was, it was an awesome week. So had a blast. Sweet, dude. Very nice. Now that I've owned two full sets of BK high-voltage coilless servos, I can honestly say that these are the best full-size cyclic servos I have owned to date. These things are crazy fast, with a speed of 0.049 seconds per 60 degrees, and plenty strong, with a torque rating of 295 inch ounces. Oh, and to top all this off, they're only 99 bucks a piece. So whether you're looking to replace an old set of worn-out servos, or outfitting that brand new heli. Be sure to head over to bkservo.com. Justin, how was your week? Oh, my week's been rough, but but okay. I get a no-fly. Oh, ow. Yeah. No-fly. And that one really stung because last weekend was beautiful. Absolutely freaking beautiful. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, we we had we did a bunch of stuff uh, as a family, which is always good. And that's not a complaint. But when I wasn't doing family stuff, I was trying to get some work done. As I've been saying on the previous shows, work is just overwhelming right now. Uh as is uh, indicated by the fact that tomorrow being Friday and my day off, I will be going into work. Although I will take the opportunity to go fly uh, afterwards. I'll try to get off early. They got you by the juju berries, man. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, and it's good fun, right? It's, it's all rockety stuff and that's what I love to do, but <laughs> rockety. Rockety? It's, it, it's, uh, it's cramping my shit on helis, dude. <laughs> it's killing me here. I hear you. Oh, well it is what it is. So no fly, which also means that uh, this is bad. I haven't even tried the, the zeal blades. I mean, they look great. Uh, really? <laughs> They look great, but that's all I can say. Wow. Yeah. Did you uh did you 
buy a new speed controller yet? No, I didn't. So that good point. I did sell the Scorpion 160 from the oh, Goblin okay. 770. So that's out now. I have a Goblin 770 that is sitting here without an ESC. And I've been scoping a couple of things out, been talking to a couple of people on the forums, you know, put in a couple of offers here and there. Uh, nothing yet, nothing yet, but it's going to be a cosmic because that's what I had already decided. We discussed that. I was hoping, honestly, to to draw it out long enough to get to the Hobby Wing 160 HV release. Mm-hmm. But I was looking around on the forums recently, and what I think I'm hearing is it's not going to be out until beginning of May. And I don't, I mean, I can't wait until the beginning of May to get a brand new ESC that I've never flown because that means I'm going to be all over the place at Othello. I want a stable fleet. Well, you could you could try the King Kong now. Yeah, but the King Kong doesn't have a BEC, dude. Uh, ah, true. Right? Very true. I want a BEC. I hate receiver packs. I'm over it. The 770 is the last one with receiver packs. I just mm-hmm. want to get past that. That's why I think the Cosmic is for me. Yeah, for that's now. fair. That's fair. And hey, if if uh, once BD comes out with the new internal governor... For my 3D helis, if I say, you know what, I like it better than Cosmic, then great. Uh, that's a that's a chunk of money that yeah, I can now. Someone's cashing, right? In. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's like investing <laughs> in gold, right? They hold their value. Yeah, it's not not that big of a deal. Anyway, no fly, unfortunately. I did buy something though. You I tell. bought. One of the little 380 handbags. Oh, the 380 uh-huh. purse. Yeah, dude. So here's the story on this one. I've been challenged of late to find a a reliable place. For the record, you've been challenged a lot more than of late. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to, to find a place really close to me that is consistently available for me to fly. Now, I've mentioned in the past, there's a baseball field that is probably a couple of blocks away from me. It's less than three minutes drive that I had been using pretty frequently uh, during the winter. Of course, during the winter, it's cold and crappy weather, and if no one wants to stand there and play baseball, well, the nice weather's out, and so all the kids want to come out and play. And I am not, you know, safety wise, I'm not going to go and fly anywhere near people that are doing recreational crap. There's a soccer field there, too. They're always running around the field and kicking the ball and crap again, cramping my style. But so what I've been doing is I get on Google Maps and I start creeping and I'm looking I'm looking for (laughs) fields, right? And I've actually found some pretty good sites. But the problem is that they're not always readily accessible from the road. And and why I want them to be readily accessible is because I don't want to make three or four trips back and forth to go and put in five or six flights. Mm-hmm. Right. I need to be mobile. So I started busting out my old mountaineering backpacks. 
I'm like testing shit out this last weekend. I'm sticking the 380 in the backpack. All right, that fits. Now let's stick the transmitter in there. Eh, it's bumping up against the heli. Don't want to scratch the transmitter. Let's try another backpack. I'm trading things back and forth. I even went to a couple of stores to see if I could find something that I liked. And I finally said, screw it. This doesn't make any sense. I'm going to spend the same amount of money on a backpack that's not really going to work all that well for this. So I'm going to get the SAB bag. Mm -hmm. Went on to Lower Heli. You guys know Ken was having a spring sale last weekend. 10% off. Yeah. All right. So I took advantage of Ken's sale. Picked up that uh, SAB bag. I just got it a couple of days ago, and it is amazing. I mean, it's a thick padded bag, so nothing is going to be in danger in this bag. You can bump into it. You can kick it. I mean, short of dropping something really heavy on it or falling on it yourself, you're not going to damage anything inside. (laughs) Falling on it yourself. (laughs) Anything's possible. Right? The the nice part is it's got this little like adjustable pouch system that velcros to one side of the bag and it will hold a, a full size transmitter and then I can fit all four of my flight packs plus tools and stuff in the other pouch. Then I drop the laptop down on the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. The heli sits on top of the laptop and then under the boom, I've got space for a 12-volt HPS 1200 or DPS 1200 power supply, an iCharger 306B, and a uh, parallel board. Oh, so you got... Hmm. Uh, wow. Okay, I was not expecting to hear that you got your power supply and charging setup in there. Oh, dude, of- I could put another two power supplies and charging setups in there. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that I don't want to carry something super heavy, I could stick a freaking lawnmower lead acid battery in it. It's huge. (laughs) I'm telling you, like, if you didn't have a lot of shit to cart around with you, you could fit two Goblin 380s in this bag. No problem. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I was incredibly impressed and very pleased with my purchase because now I'm all set, right? It all zips up in there. I got the laptop for tuning. I got the chargers for when I get the Nick. You and I have been talking about doing a lead acid thing just as sort of a mobile station for the the little heli flying. Mm-hmm. Not when I'm out at the field for multiple hours, but when I'm creeping on like local fields. And uh, so that would come in like another small carry case or bag. But it's basically two hands right one for the 380 bag and then one for the batteries when i get them and i can go anywhere so uh i'm i'm super excited it all fits in there it's a great quality bag my only thing is they only make it in red so it doesn't match my heli oh darn Uh, i wish they did a yellow one but i will get over that so you're gonna switch your heli colors no to match the bag? No. Nope. The bag. I'll, I'll have to deal with the You'll bag. you have to deal. <laughs> it is what it is. Hmm. Well, that's good to know. Because yeah, I if there's anyone out there with 380s or honestly any 360 class heli that's looking for a good quality bag, I mean, I feel like I just stole it from someone at 60 or 65 bucks for what this thing is. It is incredibly badass. 
Mm, nice. Yep. I didn't sim this week, though. So I didn't fly or sim. Ouch. That's, that's rough. Or buy. Or buy. Damn it. No, I did buy. I bought the bag. The bag. Oh, yeah. So yep. I bought and okay. sold. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm covered financially. I'm not covered stick time-wise. The, the actual hey, part of the hobby. In this hobby, yeah. if you could say do. you're covered financially, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always backwards. <laughs> yeah. I'm still selling crap, dude. I just sold another thing a couple a couple of days ago. God. Just random crap, so. Anyway. Well, not a bad weekend. Not a bad week. We'll see if I can get out uh, tomorrow. It's The weather looks like it's going to be pretty nasty. But even if it's just sprinkling, I'm fine with sneaking out and getting a couple of flights in, in between working. And then the weekend looks like it might clear up a little bit more. But I don't know about you guys. It's Even when it's been nice out down here, it's been unnaturally windy. Yes. For this weather. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember thinking last weekend when the weather was beautiful and I wanted to go fly, I didn't feel quite as bad because there, I mean, there were spots where it was blowing trees in our yard sideways. Oh, okay. I've finally gotten around to bringing my charging setup into the world of current technology, and wow, what can I say? From the powerful and feature-rich Dual PowerLab 8 charger to Progressive's unique and infinitely adaptable modular parallel balance board systems, I now feel like I can charge my entire fleet of packs from just two ports and a few charge leads. So why mess around with that old and busted charger or its accessories? Follow my lead, head over to ProgressiveRC.com and have a look at the multitude of chargers, power supplies, accessories, turnkey charging systems, and even batteries. If you're not sure what to buy or have a question about how to design your custom system, then go ahead and give the PRC team a call at 443-BATTERY and they'll get you squared away in no time. Thank you, Justin. Call the PRC team at 443-228-8379. ProgressiveRC.com Bringing charging power to a heli near you. What are you up to, man? I had a, uh, I had a, eh, how do, what do I call it? I'm gonna say it was a kind of a double-edged sword weekend. It was beautiful, and I mm-hmm. did get out Saturday. Had my kids' soccer game. Got out to the field about noon. My family was there. Uh, no, you know, no, I just really no complaints. I just didn't get the flights in that I should have. What do you and mean? Quantity or quality? Quantity. Okay. Um, you know, I was working on some maneuvers, which was great. Um, you know, starting to really kind of put the Piro TikToks together. I didn't do, ah, oh, man, didn't do much of any tuning at all. Um, but I just, I don't know what it was. I... I'm going to whine a little bit to Jesse and say, I need my flying buddy back. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, well, it, because... It, I, even though you, you think, oh, there's someone else there to fly, but it really helps set a pace, too. Well... Because, you, 
you know, you fly, I fly, you fly. Yeah. There are two ways that I get a lot of flights in, and I'm now learning that there are only two ways that I get a lot of flights in. One, I have to be completely by myself. I mean, no one else there at all. If that's the case, I can bang out some serious flights and play mm-hmm. and keep disciplined for up to about three hours, I would say. Yeah. Was um, there anyone there with you? Yeah. Uh, yep. Scott came up. Okay. He was there. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not blaming scott or anything because obviously i i mean i have all the ability to just turn around and fly if i want to but it's either no one or uh jesse seems to be the one exception we set a pace we have a rhythm that we've always done and it just seems to work with a five minute flight you know and a 12 minute charge we can we get about two to three minutes Somewhere around in there of BSing in between while one guy's, you know, putting packs in or whatnot. And then it's right back up to fly. So we alternate and it's almost like, oh, I better hurry up, quit screwing around. They're landing. Yeah, they're (laughs) landing. I better quit screwing around and get ready to go. So it kind of, it's like allotments. There are slots in which you fly in. And it's it's a very known thing that if you miss your slot you miss your slot you know the other person's gonna go yep so i just i was very unhappy i think i was out there for three hours and got maybe eight flights Mm. uh not bad flights but just i don't know i i feel like i for how beautiful of a day it was how nice the weather was i feel like i kind of let myself down so now I am going to, uh, let's see, what order do I want? I'm going to go bad news first and then good news. I'm going to end on Ooh, a good Oh, there's <laughs> bad news. Yeah. What is the worst bad news that could you could hear from me? Bad news from your perspective. For- I happen to believe that what you're about to tell us is good news from Jesse's and my perspective <laughs> from an entertainment standpoint. Okay. But l- I'll, I uh. will play your silly game. <laughs> <laughs> bad news. Well played. Your silly little way. game. Your silly little game. Bad news In might helicopter be world. that you crashed a heli. Or that is fair. You're down to one heli. No, I'm not down to one. Oh, that would be epically bad news. Yes, that would be catastrophic. I'd be fetal position <laughs> with just small murmurs and, and gurgles at this point. Grunt. What's what's he saying? What's he saying? <laughs> no, it was not that bad, but yes, oh yes, the trioblin is down. Oh! <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, this is great. Let me tell Good you call, how this Justin. went down. Oh, yeah. What the hell happened, dude? Because I'm going to claim not my fault for the most part. Oh, you know what? That is for getting all part. too common of an excuse when you crash shit. Well, I, I'm i not a dumb thumber very often, but I do seem to have these weird random things that just happen. And this was one. This was... This was goddamn spectacular, let me tell you. <laughs> oh. So, 
after <laughs> our, and this is for the record, this is your guy's fault. Just so we kind of set that okay. out. Okay. Oh, now he's blaming our cra- his crashes on us. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Because we talked about last week the whole, the the Eleanor maneuver, right? Yes. That one. Mm-hmm. So I said I was going to practice. So I decided to head out and practice. Now, my practice was, okay, high-speed approaches. Big, huge rate of ascent in autos coming in. Low flare, no flip yet, but just working on building a tremendous amount of head speed. Now, I was enjoying my flights on the Triablin, which I have not, to this point, shot any hardcore autos with. I mean, I've just done my typical end of the flight, pretty much kind of throw it up wherever it is and do a lazy man's auto right back down to the ground with it, like Mm -hmm. I do every flight. So I put it up into this first, and I I need you to really visualize how this auto is and why I do them this way. I don't know. It's just kind of common. Uh, my lazy auto is to, to go up and throw it up um, vertical, tail down. I'll hit throttle hold. I'll do uh, most of the time more than a full 360. It just kind of depends, but basically a stall turn, maybe with an extra pirouette. And what I'll do is I'll try and keep the heli about, you know, 80 degrees. So definitely, you know, not perfectly vertical because that doesn't work, but with not, uh, how do I put it? I'm building a lot of a descent rate. Quickly, minimal head speed. So just the you know just enough airflow across the blades to kind of keep them going. But I'm not. I don't want them to slow the heli down at all. So I get I get I'm basically big nose down kind of dive in my auto, and then I know because I've done this and you guys have seen me do this and we've laughed when I've done it. You get it a little too nose down and all of a sudden the blades start to slow down really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've gone whoop, whoop. And so you just feather in a little bit of elevator. Okay, there they go. They pick up again. You come back down. So, okay, now that you know the style of the auto, I go up to do this on one flight and I didn't go that high. As I'm coming down, I'm kind of going, wow, it really looks like it's almost kind of dolphining on the way down. But I've never seen a heli dolphin in an auto before. And it is, you know, somewhat kind of vertical-ish. So maybe I'm just catching the, maybe I'm just not quite seeing it right. And I landed it and that was that. Well, the next flight, I went up. Really friggin' high. Why? <laughs> I don't know why. Like, it was just one of those I felt like going up. You know, the ones where you're oh, going, ooh. And this is where it all begins. Yeah. Wonder how, ooh, is he, when you're seeing this him, This was the like, first wow. poor decision. Yes, it in was. In a chain of poor decisions. Well, no. Because <laughs> I do these a lot. Jesse knows. I'll do mm-hmm. these where I'll just put them way up in the clouds for fun. I think it keeps you sharp. You know, I try and mix up my autos. So I do my couple stall turns at a height in which I can barely see it. So I get this thing nose down. Now it's hauling ass. I mean, we're talking 
at this point, I probably hit terminal velocity, I'm guessing. I did have enough height. Now, here's where shit went real bad. That dolphining that I saw, I then confirmed was actually happening. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because it, there, we have there's one or two options here. One, which I really don't believe because I've done these autos this way th- literally thousands of times, and I've never, ever had this happen. But what happened is it was coming nose down, got down to a bright about the 200-foot mark, and it did a very abrupt. Now, when I say very abrupt, like uh, there's no even time to poo your pants at what did it so fast. Forward roll. To forward? Forward. What? So hold on. It was coming down level? No. Roughly level? I mean what how how no, far so down was the vertical nose dive? Pitch? Vertical to eighty degrees, Justin. Okay. So it's coming down out of a stall turn. Yes, correct. Yeah. All right. At about I don't know, fast. How about that? Okay. However, <laughs> however fast you can get coming out of a stall turn starting at about 600 feet. So however fast you want to call that. Yeah. High speed, high speed, coming down with the auto. Everything's good. Instantly, it rolls nose over to perfectly inverted. Okay. Now, here's the problem. When you have about two degrees of negative pitch mm-hmm. and you are doing that speed, and you flip it over, <laughs> you flip it nose over instantly with a, I didn't touch the cyclic, but it did, a tremendous amount of cyclic, the blades stop. Fast. Instantly. <laughs> no, it's like instantly. I could have swore I hit the damn brakes. Whoa. So now I'm falling from 200 feet, perfectly inverted, in a blade stop, hauling ass. <laughs> Bailout? <laughs> So here's the deal. Insert Nick fail part, because I know for a fact that I did not roll this thing all the way over on the nose. I've almost had it happen before. I know I know when I've done it, unless, the, and I say the only thing that is unless, unless I had a bunch of wind up high, I really don't think that's happening. What I believe is that my guess is that my head gain is too high for a high-speed, low-head-speed sort of situation. Well, that's what's causing, probably what's causing the dolphining, if I understand what you mean by that. Yes. I mean, this is... You mean it's bouncing up and down and trying to hump the air? Yes, that's correct. But in a vertical dive? Yeah. What? It, It looked... Exactly like, and, and I've if you if you guys I know Justin you've had this happen and seen it and it it's so fast it's not even funny, you know when you're doing a speed run and your head gain's way too high and it just does that instantaneous pitch up. Yeah, where, that's where, not a head gain thing. That's a blade stall thing. Where that's a just, retreating blade stall. If your head gains too, no, because I've seen it happen, like when at our fun fly, when the, the guys were trying with their it's all set up for 3D, they would get in a high, super high 
Um, they turn their head speed way up and go hauling ass across the sky, and then all of a sudden, boom, it'd it pitch up. And you're like, oh, God, we got to get their head The most turned typical down. reason for a pitch up is that your forward speed is too high compared to your head speed, such that in on the retreating side of the disc, there is effectively a net zero or small airflow over the retreating blade. And it stalls. Okay. Well, that's probably exactly what happened. And apparently, I've tiptoed around it with a two-blade head, and it's never been a problem. Mm -hmm. But doing it with a three-blade just flat out did not work. Dude, that's... But that... Okay, but you didn't answer the bailout part. What happened? Well, so... I did immediately So at 200 feet... This is flipped over on its head. Yeah, and but it's not falling stop. with no head speed. Real fast. I mean, because <laughs> we didn't just go up and hit throttle hold. Yeah, you're like, right. You're not free falling. You already have some pretty significant downward speed. Very significant. We we were building head speed. Okay, now there. I'm starting to picture <laughs> this. Yeah. And so I immediately let out that little girl scream. I flip out of throttle hole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where you're like, ah! <laughs> yeah. and I flip out of throttle hold and it's, it is happening so freaking fast. I flip out. I count one, 1,000 to 1,000. I just did not see. And as I'm flipping out, I'm like instantly, uh, I'm going through every strategy in my head. And the first thing is like, Shit, are my blades tight enough to bail out of a blade blade stop? Right. And I'll be honest, I went, oh my God, I don't know. Because every blade stop auto that I've done intentionally, I have checked my blades. You've cranked (laughs) the blades down. Well, I I do run mine pretty tight anyway. So most of the time it's okay, but I can't. It's like, dude, I don't know. I don't know if they were. So after flipping out of throttle hold, running through this whole scenario in my head, not seeing it spool up as fast as I thought it should, and then questioning myself with blade tightness, I went, you know what? It's perfectly flat right now. Just let it go. Just let it go, man. Abort, (laughs) abort, abort. Because I was just thinking, dude, if this thing all of a sudden like spools up really fast and and I get a bad blade lag and I start whacking away at my boom and it's coming down this fast, like this is gonna be a damn rekit. Because (laughs) it could just go real bad. (laughs) At least now I have a very minimal umbrella effect with three completely stopped blades. <laughs> so I let it go. Now here's where it gets real cool. So here's the, here's the happy side to the story. Are you ready for the total list? No, I think I'm going to be pissed, but go You're ahead. You're going to be real pissed. One tail blade, two main grip arms, Three servo horns, one canopy, one link. How did you, you're saying you didn't break the main blades? Nope. 
How is that possible? I do not know. You <laughs> landed on the head. On the head. Flat. They were not spinning, though. They were not spinning. And your main your main shaft bearings are okay. Main shaft, not bent. Bearings, perfectly okay. I did not bend, which, by the way, if people were ever wondering, oh, my God, now I got to worry about bending three feathering shafts uh, or spindle shafts on the three-blade head. Uh-uh. Let me tell you, you ain't bending that shit. It ain't going to happen. What's going to bend is the main grip arms. So I bent two of those. The servo horns, I swear to God, I will never use any other servo horn ever than the SAB ones. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude. That's why all I use three them, too. Of them, all three of them broke, and I did not strip one gear. Yep. And that damn 700E DFC crash with those aligned arms, I crashed from two feet. And stripped <laughs> your entire <laughs> set of servos. Every goddamn servo <laughs> strip. The boom disconnected it broke the plastic screws unplugged my tail servo no problem that's what it's supposed to do i gotta tell you i used up a life like that was <laughs> that was a Cross call your friend off. that was a lifeline you yeah. well what yeah what you just did is you just ate the rest of your good karma no you, dude this is this is i'm finally getting a little back <laughs> This is great. I could not freaking believe. How do you not bend the? How do you break the blades? I I'm I'm still not sure. I'm even convinced of that. Like, have have you actually checked them? I actually. And you're going to fly them again? I just went back out tonight because I'd started tearing it apart at the field because we were just looking at it, going, "Well, wait a minute. We got to that. That's." That's really not that bad. Well, what the hell? No way. So I tore it apart at the field and got that, went back out tonight because I, I placed my order for all the parts and I wanted to really check those uh, little spindle shafts. And I, I was like, nah, I got to look at the blades again. I mean, there's just no way. Sure enough. I don't get no. it, dude. I don't get uh, it. That's crazy. Right. That is freaking crazy. That's a freak of nature. Don't anyone listening to this think that they can go out and freaking head plant their trioblin <laughs> and not break anything more than what Nick just described. That's crazy. Oh, the joys of flying. You know, now we got about, what would you say, Jesse? Eight, nine inches of grass out there? Yeah. Right around in That's there. Fair. And it is soft. Yeah, it is pretty soft. That's true. So that that definitely helped. But it must have been just, I don't know, man. It must have hit perfectly flat. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, crazy. That's nice. It was awesome. So to answer your question about the bailout, I believe that it was, I did not set it properly. Yeah, I was going to say it's been a while since I've flown V-Bar uh, but if I remember correctly, their bailout is aggressive as hell. Yeah, and so the reason I say I don't think it is, I, I can't say 100% because I haven't bench tested it, but quickly looking through everything, I think that I forgot. See, it's it's kind of tricky. I don't do the whole idle during bailout thing. I don't like it. 
I don't believe in it. What do you mean idle during bailout? So V-Bar has an option for you to keep the motor very slowly spinning during an auto rotation. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what they call idle during bailout. Uh, and this is for electrics, just so that you don't get that large amperage spike when you when you bail out of it and you flip the motor back on. I don't like it. I've seen one guy <laughs> li- ha- have it light his helicopter on fire because he crashed. You know, he was he was flying, doing some low deck work, stuffed it. Oh man, he flipped. What he thought was throttle hold, but he didn't get it all the way into throttle hold. He got it into this idle bailout, and then he's sitting there all bummed out, walking out to his <laughs> helicopter, and it was laying on its side, and it it doesn't have enough power or RPM to like flip the heli over so right. that you know it's still on. But it's basically just like someone holding on to yeah. your head, locking it up, and it just builds up heat, builds up heat in the ESC. Yeah, woof, there it went. Right on fire. So not only did it crash, but then it lit it on fire, which... Like way after the... Like, I know he's not listening, so I can say this, but God damn, that was funny. I mean... Because <laughs> well, it was like 10 seconds after he crashed. He's yeah. starting to walk out there, and then it just lights on fire, too. <laughs> Burst into flame. Oh, dude. And, th- and I know that that would happen to me. Like, I know that I, I'm not a... Uh-uh. When I hit throttle hold, I expect it to be off so i opt not to well when you do that with the castle and now um i want to say a couple firmwares ago with scorpion they have this offset throttle thing that's how they do their yeah. auto rotation yeah bailout. exactly so it gets a little bit tricky with v-bar because you have to your throttle hold percentage in v-bar needs to be higher and you have to have the idle during bailout checked, even though you're not idling during bailout. Yeah, you have to have them both checked. Yeah. And uh. so what I found, and again, I'm not through bench testing it, but what I believe, I don't think I had my throttle hold percentage because I was really kind of stumped. I'm like, dude, why did this not work? And then I also kind of went, well, Hey, dummy, when was the last time you actually bailed out of an auto? Oh, which, good point. Yep. Which was a bigger yeah. question. I'm thinking, oh, dude, it, I mean, <laughs> mid last year, maybe? I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know. Hmm. So I think that sometime between officially switching over and just flying B- V-Bar and setting it up for that first time, which I know that it worked and it was super thorough. I think switching models and, you know, switching helicopters and setting up more V-bars, I forgot about the throttle hold percentage in the radio because I actually went back and watched Mr. Mel's video, and he referenced in his video setting the throttle hold to 40%. And I'm like, whoa, I... I really do not remember doing that. Like, mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee you mine's not set to 40%. I think it's set to, like, where it shows minus 88 in the V-bar menu, which obviously shuts the motor off, but I don't think that it puts it into throttle hold percentage correct for those speed controllers to bail out of. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
So, like on a hobby wing, I think it would have worked perfectly fine. But well, you better fix that next time. I will. That is a part I, I most definitely will because I'm willing to bet that if this one's not set up right, I don't think that all of my models are set up right. I think that's a reasonable <laughs> assumption. Yeah. I just I just don't bail out much anymore. And, you know, when you don't use it, you just kind of forget. It's easy to forget a step and then you never double check it. So. Yep. All right. That was my bad. Here is my good. Been thinking about this for a long time. You know, this radio thing, right? Ugh, the radio thing. Uh-oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tried the V-Control, like, got my hands on one at, uh, well, actually, did we feel, did we see him at Urcha, Jesse? Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, at Urcha. Then got to spend some more time um, with it at OHB. Then, oh, oh, even our fun fly. That's right. Our fun fly. Um, opinion, let me fly his with the V control. So ergonomics wise, I knew that I was good, but I sure just, I wasn't sold on the whole deal. Long story short, I've known for quite a while that that was going to be the direction that it was. I just wanted <laughs> to do a little more research. And then they popped up this whole thing on Facebook where they were like, Hey, we're going to start a V team. If you'd like to be, if you're interested in that, shoot us an application. I'm like, uh, absolutely. So I did. <laughs> and I'm on the V team and I'm super excited. Nice, so, dude. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. Thank dude. you. I feel really good. This is kind of like going along with my. Finally coming to terms with what that's just going to work for Nick here. You know what I mean? It's like, this is the shedding. I know this is weird for me, but this is the shedding of the fiddling with all different brands. It is by force, whether you like it or not. Well, and so that (laughs) has been- man. That has been a part of my hesitation. And what I keep coming back to is- that that's my only hesitation. You know what I mean? If I don't want to fiddle with other stuff, this is the radio for me. Like, I knew that. I mean, there was just no question there. So, I don't know. I've had so much fun just flying lately and getting away from the constantly trying all the different things and just flying and having fun and having good stuff that's reliable um, yeah, for me, it was kind of like a, it was a, it just, it felt like the right thing to do after considering it this long. And when you, I think that when you consider something and and you want it and you put it off and you still want it and you put it off yeah. and you still want it, then it's kind of like for me, for once, it's not impulsive at all. Yeah. It's that whole, I, I would say it's it. not impulsive. I no, mean, and I, I think it fits. You can be really impulsive, but you haven't been about that. No, and this fits me. Like, and, and Justin, you know, you and I, we've, we've had this, I'm not going to call it a heated debate, but this conversation about, like, the Jetty versus the V-Control, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Justin's been there like, but dude, you don't understand all the stuff that you could do with the Jetty. And I'm like, I get that. But it doesn't do what I want it to do. 
and and so we after really kind of talking about it we were like these are these are equally badass radios i mean there's no question that like the stuff that he wouldn't care about like for me the battery sensor thing mm-hmm. i think that's badass because for nick i'm horrible i mean horrible about timers and killing packs so any feature that can get me headed in that direction better is awesome for me but like for justin being able to look at the logging on the screen and all of the different features that the jetty has that's what really works for him well Um, and it all just comes down i mean in our heated debates what it came down to was you wanted radio integration. Yep. And my yeah. argument was, if you're not going to be tuning all that much, then that's like 10% of your time using the radio. But it was still enough to say, hey, th- uh, that's it's still that's what I want. I want radio integration with the flybar system. And if that's the case, then you're not going to find another radio that does that for V-Bar. Yeah, and I know that. I doubt that V-Bar is going to let Jetty do third-party integration with the Jetty radio. I highly doubt that. Yeah. And I know that, like, you're never going to pull the tweaker and the tuner out of me, but my interest to try other systems has dwindled. So, I mean, exactly like what happened here with the, you know, with the Trioblin. I have a whole part, like, I feel like the three-bladed head. I'm just beginning a journey of learning a ton more about tuning in general and its relationship to mechanics, like two-blade versus three-blade. So I feel like for this, it's just, it's awesome, and it works, and it really fits me and what I want to do. Yeah, true. So I'm very excited. I think you have I'm, completely defiddled yourself, though. Is there anything that <laughs> like? Well, yeah, you de- have an airframe sponsorship, <laughs> which, for the record, is completely different than completely fiddled yourself. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> You've got an airframe sponsorship. By default, that locks you into blades. You've got batteries. Yeah. You've got a fly barless system and a radio. Yep. You're done, buddy. You know what, though? You know what I get out of all that? I just get fun flying. And I yeah, lo- tr- and that's what it's about. And that is what it was about this year. It was just, I, I want to go back to just having fun flying and working on my flying and progressing. And, uh, yeah. I'm pumped. Sweet. I think. Nice. You know, part of me says order the what do they call it champagne i think is the color the yep. metal metalish looking one but i think i'm gonna go with the black and i'm gonna wrap it i think you need to go with the clear and show up to othello in the clear heels with hooker heels <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and a skirt whoa you had me at hooker heels but not the skirt. And a skirt? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, no. That's, that yeah. may be taking it's it rough. too far, but it, it would fit it would fit well. It would it would fit well, but no, I I, I think I'm gonna go black and wrap it because you know why? This is 
how I, I like to change things, but I'm kind of trying to get away from it. I can like rewrap it every three months Easily. if I want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And make it all look completely different. And I feel like black is the best background for doing that. And then I'm sure there will be some Neos in the future as well. Nice, dude. Sweet. So the 10J goes up for sale. Yep, I am going to put it. Man, what a what a good... Boy, I got to tell you, all the Spectrum guys better plug their ears. 10J, like, it, just bang for the buck and features-wise, reliability, and yep. not being a goddamn Spectrum radio, that thing's <laughs> where it's at. I mean, I'm serious. Uh, it, it's not. It's not fast. It's FHSS, so... It's the receivers are more inexpensive. You get telemetry. It's not the oh my god Futaba programming. It's it's a completely hybrid style of programming they did, which is very user intuitive. You can move switches around. I mean, it has got to. It, I would point someone to that radio for an entry level, or, or not even entry level, but you know, a mid price range and lower radio all day long, dude. Wouldn't even flinch at it. So, yep, I will throw it up for sale. Nice. So right. I I bought, I ordered all my parts for the Trioblin. I, I finally ordered my blades for the 500 since the last crash, so I can get that flying again. So all my models will be back up and flying for Othello. I have not sold. I did fly. I have not simmed, but are you ready? You ready for another goal that you guys can mock me for and watch me fail at? Always. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. I am going to, I'm, well, we're not going to put an end on this, but I feel like if I don't succeed. He's already modifying it, Jesse. Yeah. We don't even know I mean, what he the hell he's going to say. He's like, eh, actually, now that I think about hey, it. It's organic. Okay. So let's just. Okay, organic, go. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm going to start tonight with simming. And I want to see. How many nights in a row I can sim. Now, where I'm going to be reasonable is I'm going to set it for 20 minutes. I want to see how many nights in a row I can sim for. Interesting. I would With I, the minimum time being 20 minutes. Minimum time being 20 minutes for it one to One sitting? What's that? In one sitting? Uh, yes, in one sitting. Absolutely. Because okay. anything under in that, yeah, I just don't exactly. think you're going to learn anything. And that really is the goal, you yep. know is to learn. But I want to see how long would anyone like to take that challenge with me? I would, but my terms and conditions are that it's not tonight. It, it can't start tonight. It's got to start tomorrow. Okay. Because Let, let's start tomorrow. you just that's sprung fair. it on me. Okay, that's fair. Let's start tomorrow. Can't do it. No? Why not? Well, I could start like Sunday. I'm, I'm gone this weekend. Okay, how about this? I'm out of town. All right, oh, a bunch okay. of Shirley's here. Monday, when this episode airs, Monday is the first Starting day. Monday night, yep. 20 minutes a night for as many nights as you can sustain. Absolutely. And Let's do it. Who, uh, what, what do we get if, if we are the winner, the last man standing? Okay, the... <laughs> All right, ooh, I got it. Okay, wait, no, that wasn't it. That wasn't very good. Um, I think we need to actually put some like 
we need to put a little bit of ching ching involved in this. We need to make some funds involved. We mm. got to buy something. So the two hmm. losers have to split buying the win or something. Wow. Mm. I mean, let's. I feel like Jesse's already condemned to being one of the two losers just based on historical. Whoa. Oh, that's good. That's good. Then let's make this a real good prize. Yeah. <laughs> See, I feel it. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. I feel it. I feel the. Oh, really? So what are we going to make the price? Ooh. What's our price range here? Well, I'm thinking like, so I'm thinking the two, just off the, the top of my head, the two losers have to each pitch in 25 bucks and get the winner a gift certificate to Lower Heli. I'll take that bet. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah? Yeah. So winner gets fifty fifty dollar gift 50 to the lower heli. Yep. All right, you're on. Starting Done. Monday night. Starting Monday night, minimum twenty minutes a night. On but there's my no van. bonus for going over twenty nope. minutes. Nope. Kayla's really gonna hate this when I sim on our wedding night. But you know what? <laughs> it's gonna happen. You gotta. It's. I know how much of a cheap ass Ooh. you are, and that twenty five bucks will Jesse. make that happen. Sorry, Kayla, in advance. Hey, <laughs> she has to see if see. Okay, here's the deal. If you do your job right, she'll be out sleeping cold in no time. So that <laughs> I'm simming. <laughs> you have plenty of time to get in twenty minutes worth of the simming. <laughs> twenty minutes of simming, Jesse. On it's your on. wedding night. On- well, he did, on your what, wedding so night, Jesse. One thing, one clarification. He didn't say I had to be in the evening. No, no. So no. wedding good, day. Oh, wedding so that's, day a, that's a good point. Well, that makes it a lot easier. Each twenty four hour period. Yeah, we'll right. say each each day. Right. Yeah. Right. So truthfully, you could sim starting at eleven thirty and stop at night and stop at twelve thirty in the morning and that you would got count. Two days. Yep. That would count. You know, that's kinda of, kinda of cheating a little bit. I don't, well, I mean, we have to, that's fair. Yeah, it's going to be pretty fun simming with you guys at Othello, too. Yep. Oh, we have oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> it will happen. We'll oh. sit down. You know, there's going to be a picture of us, all three of us sitting there. Yep. <laughs> Laptop simming away. 20 minutes. Yep. For 20 minutes. Before or after the drinking starts? After. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, All right. Awesome. Okay, we, we got to move yeah. on here because I already sense that I'm going to get a nasty gram for Bert, from Bert on how long this intro has been. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Bert. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you thought that the guys at Soco Heli Tools had pushed setup methodology to the absolute state of the art, they come out with yet another innovation. In combination with their Soco Helical, which fits all sizes and all brands of helis, they've recently announced the Soco Heli Tools mobile app. This app greatly simplifies your setup by completely eliminating the need for a level working surface or main shaft. 
available in stores soon for Android and Apple devices. This new mobile software will do everything that your original SoCo kit did, but with the added benefit of all measurements, calculations, and directions in one easy-to-use app. When you're ready to kick it up a notch with your heli setup, visit the SoCo team at www.soco-heli-tools.com and check it out. SoCo Heli Tools, next generation setup. Okay, well, let's, uh, <laughs> once again, we are left without some official news. I don't know what's going on. We're going to do a little bit of digging, but apparently posting of news in the helicopter hobby is not happening much of late. But I do have a couple things that I have seen that I would like to pass along. Uh, just I don't have any links to them because they're kind of all over Facebook. And a lot of times for those who don't do Facebook, linking to it doesn't work very well. So did you guys see the picture that they put up from some sort of hobby show? I can't read. I don't even want to say because I'll probably offend someone. Yeah, who? Do, I can't uh, read that writing. It? That writing, <laughs> where it's like, you know, that writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it looks like someone just got a hold of a pen and <laughs> scribbled a little, <laughs> scratched out some symbols. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not even doing that. That's a horrible joke. Um, yeah. So there were there was a hobby. Sh- Expo, hobby show, something like that. And SAB had some new models there. I saw a blacked out trioblin with black plastic skids, blacked out head, blacked out tail, with a little emblem on the side of it that said Kyle Stacy's Special Edition. You see that? Yeah, dude, it looks really nice. That's the same one that he put up in the pictures. It's the same that same model that Kyle's been flying. I saw they, you know, they sent him those blacked out uh, parts with his name on them and everything, and I was like, dude, this looks freaking awesome. It's the carbon, uh, the carbon edition. But now I guess I guess they're gonna sell it like that. In that whole decked out fashion. Ooh, that is going nice. to be a pricey kit, Ooh. man. <laughs> well, yeah, with the kit with the three-bladed head. I mean, I don't know if the, it'll be much more, you know, for the rest of it, but whew, I should. Well, the carbon already, they're like, what, 1300 bucks? Uh, I 12 and change, I think, yeah. This could actually turn out being as expensive, if not more, than my TDR2. I don't that know would about be crazy. That. that would be oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Eleven ninety is the is the normal retail. Okay, so yeah, it's going to be about fifteen hundred because if it's a Kyle Stacy edition, it's got the new skids. It's all blacked out, and yep. it's a three blade head with blades. Yep. Does it have a three blade tail? It, yeah, I do believe so. Oh man, this is the macaroni. This is the full meal deal. Chef Boyar, wow, damn, it looks pretty sick though. I mean, 
You know what they say. Once you go black. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah. They also uh, posted some pictures of a new Yurikai. Yeah, I saw that too. And it looks a lot different. Like, it's the fuselage is shorter to me. I think it's just proportion. I mean, it can't be shorter. It looks shorter because I think the main body, like the pod portion of it, mm-hmm. is bigger now. It's longer, yeah. Right? Oh, uh, it, okay. it feels like it's stretched out more. It, yeah. It looks fishy. And looks- I don't mean weird. I mean like a fish. I think that it <laughs> it looks much more streamlined. And much more F3C-ish than... Uh, yeah, that's th- a fair point. I Than the older one. Uh, th- very interesting with the, the molded tail fin. It's built into... Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, isn't that different? I mean, don't get me wrong. It is... It's sleek as hell looking. Um, I, I'll be interested to find out because, I mean, I don't know if they are if this is like just a new fuselage that they're doing or if it has like different insides it's got some different innards that i really just don't know but i'm kind of intrigued to see how it unfolds once we start getting some more information about it then let's see one other one now justin you told me this today i'm going to put you on the spot but i have no idea where you saw it cuz i was busy at the time but they have, there is some speculative pricing on the Neo. Ah, yes, that's right. I saw it on Facebook. And now, since you've put me on the spot, I'm going to struggle to actually find the article. But there was some uh, pricing on the V-Bar Neo. I think that they the the way that they advertised it was it's probably pretty close to what the final numbers are going to be here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they're all based on the Express model, right? So you still got to do the upgrade to the Pro. And the they, they claim that the pricing on the upgrade from Express to Pro will be the same. So I don't know. It, what is it like 40 or $50 right now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, on think the regular 40. V-Bar. Yeah. So the Neo Express is 220-ish, okay? And then the Neo Express with the V-Link, which I believe is the V-Control internal receiver, is about 280. Okay. And then the Neo with a new sensor is 360 or somewhere around there with the with this extra sensor the external sensor yep additional yeah Yeah. additional sorry that's right and then the the neo with the additional sensor plus the v-link is like four or 420 ish okay Hmm. so overall I, i think the pricing is pretty pretty in line with the current v bar lineup right yeah, it yeah. Uh, like just hip shotting it seems like 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 buying 
the Neo with Pro and a receiver. I mean, that sounds about the same as like for someone with a V control buying the Neo with the receiver built into it. It doesn't sound, it, I agree, it doesn't sound that far off pricing wise. Do they have a date? Um, that I didn't see when I read I through the posts. I haven't heard a date yet. Yeah, same here. I have not, but I mean, yeah. Now, the big thing for me is just not having to buy full size. Oh my God. Thank yes. you. Now, are you going to buy the little separate uh, gyro sensors? Hell no. No. I mean, I'll be up front. No offense. <laughs> Watch me get kicked off the team yeah. before I ever got started. New team member, Nick Len, <laughs> denounces the sensor. <laughs> For my application, I do not feel the need to. No, I hear you. I agree yeah. with you completely. Yeah. I like the, 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 the functionality that it brings, you know, the, the backup, the redundancy. The redundancy yeah. but Now, like, if I was, Justin, if I had, like, your TDR2 or... Um, the Diablo Speed, and I was going to use that in one of those, I probably would. And the, I mean, being serious, I, I really probably would. Just for the extra safety and redundancy portion of it, not because it actually needed it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I hear that. And yet, it doesn't bother me on either of those helis. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, you're buying something that you know is quality. It's coming from V-Bar. Mm-hmm. So my expectations that the sensor is going to fail should be pretty low. Yeah. Uh, yep. And and so while we were talking here, I did actually find the link. Uh, it was posted on Facebook by our buddy Sean Hempel. Uh, and the pricing that I just gave was correct. 220, 280, 360, and 420, all express. Same pricing for the pro upgrade. And it says the U.S. should expect its first shipment of the Neo with V-Link the last week of April. Additional options will be released in May. Oh, okay. Nice. We're coming right up. With the V-Link. In a- okay, so they're sending out the the V-Link ones first for all the V-Control That's people. what it sounds like, yeah. yeah. All Neo units will come with Express, and the same pro upgrade fees associated with pre previous V-Bar models are in place. So there you go. Gotcha. Hmm. Very nice. We're going to have to get out there and laugh and, and do some bailout flipping in person. <laughs> we need to compare it, Justin, see how fast it bails out in comparison to the BD one. Yeah, I forgot. It does have a bailout. Yeah, I saw a video up. And I wonder how they do it. It's, uh, I believe, now I'm probably going to get corrected by every other person on the team, I believe it flips upright. Upright only? Uh, I think so. But Does again, it have a collective portion to the bailout? I, I do not know. Okay. And is it, are they using Excels? Are they using gyros? What are they using? Don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, V-Bar nowadays, I think, is probably one of the only ones that doesn't have some form of bailout. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And is it? Does it have self leveling? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's all I know. All right. All right. Okay. I'll let you know when I get one in my hand. 
Yeah, <laughs> true. I okay. will be interested to see. Because there's not, I mean, there's just not a ton of information. You know how Mikado, they, yeah. they're pretty good at keeping everything quiet until it's like out, out. Okay, well, that's the, that is the. That's the news of the, the news. week and the yeah. only news. And the only news, and it's by us. So. Yeah. How about, yeah. No links. How about that? Or talk uh. to Sean. Or talk yeah. to, oh yeah, or talk I'm gonna, to Sean. I mean, okay, Sean's going to send me a text like, damn it, dude. Yeah, come I'm on. getting blasted by emails. <laughs> <laughs> Battery packs are an expensive investment for all of us. And let's face it, once you hit that magic go button on your charger, the health and safety of your battery packs is completely out of your hands. No other charger do I have more faith in to take care of my precious batteries than Revelectrix chargers. The vast amount of charging options that Revelectrix offers gives me the confidence that I can program my dual power lab to charge my packs both reliably and quickly. Give your batteries a chance at being the best that they can be with a Power Lab today. Thanks, Nick. For more information, visit www.revelectrics.com and click on the Revo USA store. So we have a Mirage. Oh. Mm. Yep. A mirage, a plethora. A schlode. A schlode. A flowed. A flowed, <laughs> even, of listener emails. I think we should do some of those. Because I agree. Because it helps me out for how many that I have unintentionally ignored because I've been so busy. So I'm gonna, I've got a little list. That I've got here. We're going to go down those. Um, some are the audio ones, and some we're just going to read off. And then, uh, Justin, I think you have some. I've got some. Uh, yeah. I've got some, and I think we got a handful of audios, right? Yep. yep. Some. Yeah, but we really like doing these. And, and we're going to try and do um, some more of them this year. Just because we want you guys to be involved, uh, you know, you, we want you to feel comfortable asking questions, and we also just want don't want to help one person individually, but really get it out to all the members of the nation that listen. Um, so don't, you know, don't be shy about doing this at all. Expect a delayed time frame, but nonetheless, you will, <laughs> <laughs> you will get, um, you will get your answers. So, okay, let's see here. We have got, first on the list, Justin, this one actually came to you, I do believe. Uh, this is from Kevin Ward. Kevin says, I've been listening to this show for the last month. Love you guys. Went back to listen to older shows. And how many times should I charge slash discharge brand new packs? I have a dual Power Lab 8 set up in case. Meanwhile, 2000 watt from Progressive. So thanks for that, too. Yeah, and this one was specific to battery breaking, right? Mm -hmm. That's been mm -hmm. a pretty hot topic lately. I would say in the last month or two, easily 20 or 30% of the questions that I answer on a weekly basis is surrounding pack IR and measuring it and the proper break-in. We've had a lot of good conversations uh, in Facebook and 
and uh, uh, other mediums uh, about this. So it's a great question. And what I'm going to say is I think you will find a bunch of different opinions on this. Okay. Really, uh, to, to do it justice, someone's got to sit down and do it on many packs the same way and, and be able to provide some data-driven conclusion. What I will tell you is I have found and settled into a process whereby I do five charge-discharge cycles on my packs. It depends on the size of the pack, right? Uh, but what I try to do is roughly a 2C charge rate and then a 1C discharge rate. And if your packs are large enough, uh, you know your chargers tend to be limited to a certain discharge current Mm -hmm. unless you do regenerative. And you can Mm -hmm. do regenerative a couple of different ways. You can do it with a lead-acid battery, which is my preference. You can also do it with another LiPo, although I'm... More concerned about the safety aspects of doing it that way. If you're monitoring things, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, But bottom line is charge discharge cycles, one to two C charge, one ish to two ish C discharge. Again, I'm saying ish because I've played around with a couple of variations. I've not seen a significant difference in the progression of pack ir and apparent c rating over those variations uh but the the charge and discharge cycles are separated by a five to ten minute cooldown period okay so because you don't want to generate too much heat in the packs and i actually monitor the packs actively on temperature with an ir gun and try to keep them in the 70 to 72 degree f range so that my irs are apples to apples as well Mm -hmm. when they go outside of that range then i will stop on the next cycle and let them cool down a little bit but is that that's not necessary no you're doing that just i'm doing it because i want i am plotting ir as a function of break in cycle yeah And the reason I'm doing that is because I want I'm using that uh, in a sense as a figure of merit for how well the packs will perform over life. What I've been finding is on the bigger packs like the 5000s, 4500 to 5000 packs. And remember, IR and C rating is not a function of cell count. It's only capacity. Mm hmm. Uh, on those bigger packs, I've seen a progression from somewhere in the range of 25 to 28 C at the first cycle up to 33, 34, sometimes 35 C after the fifth cycle. Okay. I had my one of my most recent packs, one of the two 14 S's that I bought, the OptiPower 50 C's, uh, actually didn't perform that way. It went up from 28 to 30 it hovered at 30 it went down to 29 and it ended up at like 31 so maybe it's just a slow starter but and that's kind of cool because that goes along with you know way back in the day when we were getting a lot of new gens ace packs um that kind of went along with my personal just hip shot kind of gut check feeling 
Uh, checking IRs very randomly and or just comparing flight performance. And it was anywhere between five to ten flights for those. I felt like that they were breaking in. So me personally, you know, I it kind of depends. If I'm doing packs because, you know, like if I get a whole pile of packs and I'm really trying to learn and test them, then I agree. I think Justin's five on the bench is a great way to do it, followed by, you know, probably three light sport flights. And that's exactly what I do. Three to five light flights. If I'm just, if I'm literally throwing these in the pile of batteries just to add to the fleet and I don't really care, then I tend to be a little ruder to them. And I will do about four, you know, four, I would say, light sport flights to it no bench no bench break in for just real light sport flights and then i kind of start easing into them Mm -hmm. with the you know with the remembering of hey dummy don't do any like Mm -hmm. 720 degree high full speed hurricanes (laughs) and so you get tiktoks for a whole flight yeah no tiktoks (laughs) for a whole flight but i'm not I'm not being super easy on the burst portion of him. I'm just being easier on the constant. Yeah, and I right. I do something you know very similar. Most of the time, it's throw them in, maybe hover just the first pack, and then go into the sport flight into mild 3D, working up to that five to seven flight range before kind of consider I'm good to go. One thing I do want to point out the out though that I'm just really really cautious on and really make sure of on those first flights is absolute I don't go anywhere near 80% discharge of the pack. Mm-hmm. I probably go 50% discharge yes, of the pack. Yes, thank you, Jesse. I don't go like, you know, it's, it's, I don't even want to risk it. So I cut my flight time way, way, way back. Yep. I do the same thing on break-in, actually. I, so I have a dual power lab eight, and when I do bench break-in, I set up a custom uh, preset that only discharges down to about 3.8, which if you get the fuel table calibrated in the charger is about, I don't know, you know, 60-ish, 65% discharged. So I'm not pushing it to that full 80%. And my rule of thumb nowadays is that I won't push it to 80% uh, when I'm flying them either, because in particular on speed, 80% is the cliff. And under load, you can fall off that cliff really easily. Yeah. So, you know, the the other thing I wanted to say is there's no, I, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule on this. Uh, if you are truly going to take it easy on your first few flights, then I think you can use that method just the same as bench break-in and probably get similar results in terms of breaking in the IRs, Right. I like the bench break-in because, first of all, I'm a nerd, and I like the data. And second of all, I don't trust myself. When I get a heli in the air, the first 30 seconds is like, okay, Justin, take a deep breath. You got to go easy on the packs. And then after that, it's like, screw it. I just want to fly. So I'm not going to do a good break-in by doing it on flights. The warning I'll give is my break-in for a five-cycle with cool-downs and maintaining temperature takes like eight hours per pack set yeah so there's an entire day you have to spend it's not a not it's a not fun thing it's not fun no not at all well nope. hey thanks kevin uh we appreciate the 
the question there, and hopefully that gets it answered for you. Next one, I've got one here from Matthew Schumacher. We've got an audio one, so let's take a listen. Greetings. This is Matthew from the great state of Alaska, where the cold is very cold and the dark is very, very dark, and we can fly at 3 a.m. in the summertime. My question is about telemetry. It seems to me that telemetry is just now starting to mature to the point of actually being useful. With voices that can read off milliamp hours consumed, we can finally fly at 80% drain without needing to revisit the timer settings as we progress in our flying. So how do we get milliamp hours consumed? Spectrum says they support it in firmware, but I haven't seen a sensor, and running the external telemetry box is pretty stinking obnoxious. Fataba seems better, but I don't know much about it, except that there are multiple versions of the protocol, and that you need a third-party box in order to make it work. Then there's Jetty. Yes, I want one. No, I'm not sure it's going to happen. Now that several of you have been playing with telemetry, can you give us a quick rundown of what's available, what works and what doesn't, and what's the best bang for the dollar, as well as how telemetry has changed how you fly or maintain your helis? Love the show, guys. Keep it up. Oh, man. That was a, first of all, he is very well spoken. <laughs> Good job, dude. Yes, very nice. It was clear. I understood everything. And I'm jealous that you can fly at three o'clock in the morning. In the morning. Because <laughs> yeah. if I could fly at three o'clock in the morning, I think I'd get a whole hell of a lot more stick time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I could, but I feel like it would be a frowned upon by yes. society. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> agreed. Uh, wow. Yeah. Telemetry. It has gotten, it has definitely grown. Um, all of them. Uh, well, no. Okay. Ooh, almost shot myself in the foot there. Unless the speed controller has the ability to output live data, which also includes current consumption or current, then, you are going to need an external um, current sensor. Spectrum does sell one, but here's what, you know, and I kind of went on this quest. What I found, there are not a lot available for 700 size amperage ratings, if that makes sense. Lots of them are good up to 100 120 uh, around in there. None of them are cheap. Spectrums is not cheap. It's kind of bigger and more awkward. I think the smallest one that I've seen, external one, is that um, that one from Europe that is uh, Futaba S-Bus compatible. That one's smaller. Uh, really, the best way is when the speed controller has it like jetty uh cosmic right justin with yep, the cosmic's got it but with the j log correct well okay if you want yeah so if For you want live, live telemetry you're going to yes. need to use the j log although uh i believe that contronic and jetty are in work doing an actual direct integration of the cosmic data live on the jetty stream so you don't have to use the jlog anymore but that's not released yet castle uh, um castle does have uh an adapter available from them i think it's called castle live uh, not sure on the naming mm -hmm. but they do have it uh which 
will trans take their data and output it live. I have heard mixed results with it. I've heard that it's still glitchy. Um, so kind of assume there that you are going to have to run with an external current sensor. I think he kind of hit it on the head, which is there's really just, it's in its infancy. Mm-hmm. And I think in the end, if you can, my personal opinion from the research that I've done is that if you can head in the direction of the internal ESC data, you're going to be better off. That's my opinion. I think it just depends on what you're looking for. I think that J-Log is an incredibly powerful tool to get the internal telemetry out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't want to deal with uh, if you don't want to deal with J-Log or you don't want to buy a big expensive uh, ESC that has that logging capability in it, not in real time, then you're stuck with a current sensor. And you talked about a couple of them there. Uh, you know, another one that bears mentioning is Eagle Tree. It's a little less conventional um, of a telemetry system compared to what we're seeing now in terms of integration with the radio. You can get a live uh, data pod display that doesn't link into your radio, but it still gives you the capability to do mm-hmm. a whole heck of a lot more sensing than most of the other radio systems do. Um, but, you know, for for fear of, of, of shamelessly promoting the Jetty, I'll tell you guys, the reason I went with it was because of the telemetry capabilities. Yeah. They have all of those sensors. They've got anywhere from 30 amps up to 200 amps continuous current sensors with voltage. It does milliamps consumed, uh, you know, just across the board. I think it's fair to say that Jetty dominates the market uh, with, uh, with probably the best low end setup in my opinion would be the probably the 10j yeah that's what i was gonna say yep the or the Gropner, the 18mz is pretty awesome dude yeah that's Mm -hmm. not but i'm talking about the 10j in comparison with those european sensors because we've had listeners that have been personally using those uh with that protocol and have had great luck it is a pretty small sensor. You do have to solder it in yourself. So, but I think that for the dollar, that's probably the best functioning one for the dollar. But if you want like the best of the best, Jetty just blows everyone out of the market. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of good intermediate stuff too. I mean, you know, V Control's got their uh, their own current sensor that they have available that's all integrated into the V Bar. But I, I think he hit it on the head that it's kind of in its infancy growing and, and people are trying a lot of different options. But it's all kind of dependent on whether the ESC has internal internal telemetry data or not. And what you want to do with it. Maybe no one cares about the electrical data. You want to get temperatures or RPM yeah. or GPS See, all I would want it for is current consumption. That's it. That's all that I would want it for. And for that, man, that, you know, the setup with the 
with Futaba, which that sensor is compatible with any of the um, any of the S bus. Just FYI, so that means you're looking at the 14 SG. It'll work with or the 10 J. Yep. Let's see. Well, so thank you. By the way, Matthew. good question. Yep. Yeah. Very good. One. Very good. Very good question. Uh, got another one here. This one is from Darren. Let's take a listen. Hi, guys. My name is Darren Weens from Maple Ridge, British Columbia, Canada. I have a question for you. Which do you guys recommend for beginners, flybard or flybarless? When I do some of my training of, of new beginner flyers, I usually recommend that they use that they start off with a flybard helicopter for two main reasons. One, if you can set up a flybard head mechanically, then setting up a flybarless head is extremely simple. And flybard heads, in my opinion, do a much better job of teaching a beginner how to set up the head of the helicopter in the first place. Two. I find that it lessens the learning curve because now all you have to worry about is just the mechanics for setup and that's it for when you're learning how to go and set up a helicopter, not the mechanics and the electronics together. What do you guys think? Thanks. All righty. That's a, that's a good question and he's got two really good points. I'll be honest, when I first started listening to it, I'm thinking, oh, boy, I'm not sure where this one's going to go because I think we're all going to say fly barless. And I still think I feel that way. But the point in particular about the beginner focusing on what's important and one could argue that the beginner focusing on doing the correct mechanical setup, which is still a key feature of being a good pilot on a fly barless unit and not having to deal with the electronics learning curve that that does make a difference. I'm so curious. I Jesse. can definitely see where he's coming there. Coming yeah, from. You know, I, I definitely feel similar. I'm still in the fly barless camp as well. And I guess the reason I, I say that is sure. You still, you know, it, by going with a fly bar heli, you're going to be forced to learn that you know, near perfect mechanical setup, but to a, I think to a level of complexity that is unnecessary, and it's something that you won't apply going forward. Because I mean, I'm I'm just gonna say it. I don't think fly bars are coming back. You know, we're I think we're definitely it. It, it shouldn't be a big surprise. You know, moving to the fly barless. Everyone's moving to fly barless. I think it's here to stay. So I just don't know if I see a lot of value in going back and learning those skills that just aren't going to apply as we're moving forward. Yeah, I'm going to respectfully disagree with almost all of his points, actually. Um, I, you know, okay, in my opinion, why do I need to teach someone to set up something mechanical that they're just not going to have? You know, is it, yes, they can look back and say, I know how to set up a flybard head. And 
to me, it's kind of like it's kind of like saying, well, if you can build a full scale, then you can build an RC helicopter. So you need to learn how to build a full scale first. It well, just, that's a little bit of well, a no, I know, but it's overextension kind of, of his logic. But the, yeah, I hear you. It's the same concept. And then with you know, with the electronic side of it, uh, setting up flight wireless, it is more complicated because you have to do more programming like on a PC, right? But there's little to no programming in the radio anymore. So now you're going to confuse them with swash mix. I mean, you really remember what that is? Oh, my God. I can't even remember the last time I learned that. But guess what? You have to learn that. Now you're setting up pitch curves and and endpoints and all this kind of stuff in your radio that you just you you never set up with fly barless you yeah. match it up make this do what this does on the screen once it all does that you never touch the radio again and so i feel like while i agree with the intent and if we were to go back about two years i think that he's absolutely correct two years ago i would say you're you're doing a good thing at this point, I think we're past that. I think yep. Flybar is something yep. that if you want to go learn for novelty, go back and learn it later after you can learn how to fly. But if it's not going to mechanically set up the same, if it's not going to electrically set up the same, and if it's not going to fly the same, why are you having a new person do it? The fly the same, I think, is a point that, that needs to be touched on now granted it's been a long time since i've <laughs> flown a fly barred heli uh it would probably feel completely weird to me now but there are different tendencies we know that right and uh and so to learn on that and to adapt your muscle memory to having to deal with that and then switching over to fly barless could also pose a challenge mm-hmm you know, maybe meeting meeting it halfway would be to start on a fly barless system that is known for good defaults, easy to set up, and less tunable overall. Uh, because then it minimizes the amount of craziness that you have to get into on the tuning. And maybe, you know, maybe people are intimidated by the need to interface with the fly barless system through a computer, you know, maybe just a, a set of knobs or whatever makes sense, like a B-Stex or something along those lines. But I think if you're going to stick around in the heli hobby, at least mainstream nowadays, you're going to have to get with the fly barless, fly barless world. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks, Darren, for sending yeah, that one Yeah, good question, Very Darren. Very good question. On to the next one. We have one from Ryan. Let's go ahead and take a listen to that. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Ryan Havison. I love the show. I uh, just started listening recently and even just registered for my RC Heli Nation member ID. Uh, $10 is an easy price to pay. I, I would have paid that for the entertainment value alone. Uh, so, so I have a question about the relationship between a motor's KV rating, a battery's C rating, the voltage drop during flight, and how these are all impacted when using a governor. My confusion started recently when I started experimenting with running governed mode on my Gowie X5. 
After enabling the Talon 90 ESC governor, I started looking at the RPM and voltage graphs from my telemetry unit, which is a Spectrum TM1100. One thing that really surprised me was the voltage drop that I saw during flight. Under high load, for example, when doing four-point TikToks, the 6S packs would regularly go down below 21 volts, which is lower than 3.5 volts per cell. So then I started thinking that maybe my higher C-rated packs would reduce the voltage drop under load, and that might correlate to longer flight times. Another thing I found was that even running governed, the head speed had some fluctuations. So I thought maybe the C rating impacts the tightness of the head speed variation band. But then I thought that was really what the governor gain setting was all about. So I'm really not sure how all these factors play off of each other. Hopefully you guys can help by explaining a little bit about the theory of how head speed, governor gain, flight time, voltage drop, and battery C rating all relate to each other. Anyway, love the show, and uh, thanks again in advance for your help. Dude, we are getting bombarded with badass questions. I <laughs> love this question, Ryan. Holy cow. You are the man, dude. Holy, this is great. This is like, there's really not, it is a complex question. It is, because what Jesse, and I think this is absolutely Perfect freaking timing with Jesse telling us about the V-Bar governor. How did this make my batteries feel brand new? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I don't really know if there is a black and white. Justin, I'll, I need to ponder this one over. There absolutely is a black and white answer. I feel like it's a you're you're chomping at the bit. I can I can feel I'm you chomping. there. I'm chomping. <laughs> so you go, and then I'll collect my thoughts. And Jesse, same thing. Okay. So we'll we'll walk through it step by step here. Um, battery C rating. What the battery C rating really is a representation of is the internal resistance of the pack. Okay. And internal resistance, uh, let's just call it resistance for short. When you pass a current through a resistor, you get a voltage drop across that resistor, okay? So as you load your heli, like you were saying, Ryan, under high load for doing four-point TikToks, you are demanding or the heli is demanding a high current in order to keep up that performance, maintain the head speed, uh, and that high current is now passing through the equivalent internal resistance in your packs and your wires and your solder joints, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that represents a voltage drop across that effective resistor. Okay. Uh, and so that is what directly affects the amount of voltage drop that you see under load in your flight. How does that tie back to the governor? So you got to remember that the way an electronic speed controller works is uh, it provides current at a voltage prescribed by the head speed or the motor speed that you want to meet. OK, and the KV comes into it because the KV is the motor constant that says this is how many RPM I'm going to spin per volt uh, of of potential put across the phases of my motor or my windings. All right. So when you get a voltage drop, 
what the ESC is. So the ESC pulse width modulates, as you guys know, right? And if you go back and talk and look at one of our digging ins, we'll, we go into this in more detail. But in a nutshell, uh, the the pulse width modulation has a, a duty cycle to it. It's how much on time uh, is the uh, is the ESC providing power to the motor over the total switching cycle. When your voltage drops, the governor is going to try to compensate for that drop in pack voltage by increasing the duty cycle or giving more steam to the engine, if you will, uh, up to the point where it is able to compensate for that. That's a function of the governor gain too, like you guys talked about. Uh, but if it droops or drops far enough in voltage, your ESC governor can't keep up with it and you will recognize a reduction in head speed. So, the battery's C rating plays a significant role in the performance of the entire system and going up to higher C rated packs will reduce the voltage drop under load, which gets you better performance out of the governor and probably a little bit longer flight times. But I don't think you're going to notice that, especially when you're flying hard. Um, the, 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 the thing you got to be careful about on this one is. Don't blindly say, well, I'm running a 45 CPAC now. I better go and spend out for a 65 CPAC. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that <laughs> before. Your 45 CPAC and your 65 CPAC are probably not going to perform much differently. That's why it's important to do the IR measurements to see what you're getting. The real C rating. Yep. That's right. And so for mine, I lump it up. A, Justin obviously just dropped the massive technical part of it. The way I look at it and think is that, okay, motor KV is completely separate out of this. Motor KV, I lump into, do I have my setup correctly geared yeah. for the desired head speed and the yeah. KV of my motor? So for this, let's set that off to the side. And what you have to remember is is for a desired head speed doing a, and here's my air quotes, maneuver in a certain way, whichever way you choose it to, is going to require X amount of wattage. And if we go back to our good old Ohm's law, wattage is going to equal voltage times amperage. If you have bad batteries or low C rating batteries, your voltage is going to drop more your amperage is going to have to go up to compensate. So on your telemetry, you are going to end up seeing higher amperage spikes to achieve that same maneuver, have the governor do the same amount of work, and have it feel the same in flight and hold the same amount of head speed. So keep that into consideration. What I look for when I'm looking at telemetry data, um, you don't, you're not going to get that with the Talon. It doesn't log. But if you can really watch your voltage, that's the key. You don't want to be dropping that much voltage. If you're dropping that much voltage, your ripple voltage is going up, yep. and it's all sorts of bad for that ESC. Um, your key really starts with good batteries. Now, just as Jesse, he, man, he hit it on the head, a great governor can do a lot of compensating. Yeah. Feeling well, wise, it can't do it all though. But 
it can't do it all. But another th- another uh, aspect of his question was the governor gain mm-hmm. as well. And so, correct and correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, Justin. But for the same, let's say you know you have two equivalent, or you're using the same exact battery, but as you increase the governor gain, that's going to increase the uh, I guess the aggressiveness or how much power the speed controller has to give to that motor when it requires it under those heavy load conditions but still only to a point to where your batteries can still supply the current yeah yeah you you got to think about it from a standpoint of of uh you know a simplified way of thinking about it is throttle curve and that's what i was getting at with the duty Mm -hmm. cycle if you're operating at 80 percent throttle curve you got 20 percent headroom okay your voltage drops in order to maintain the or or keep close to within a few tens of RPM, the sets the set point on your head speed, the ESC is going to say, oh, crap, the load increased. Oh, and by the way, my voltage dropped. So I'm dealing with a double whammy here. Yep. Now I've got to increase the throttle percentage to get back to that head speed. If you run out of headroom on throttle percentage, you're going to just suffer a head speed drop. And that's mm-hmm. it. Poor performance. Yep. That's the thought process behind the duty cycle. If you hit 100% duty cycle, that means you are giving the motor full terminal voltage at those batteries. Mm-hmm. And if that's not enough, then you're you're just going to have to deal with the fallout on yeah. performance. And where it gets real bad is if that's not enough and you continue to load or increase the load and the voltage keeps going down. Because as that voltage is going down, 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 the amperage is going to start keep going up, 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 and then you get these horrendous peaks. Um, that is just really hard on a speed controller because you're you're creating a, a ton of ripple voltage. So or you LVC. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or that's LVC. that's the more typical thing so, is you're going to low voltage cut off the ESC. Yeah, <laughs> I think the key here is to don't. Just say, well, I put in higher C rating packs and I didn't notice a difference. That's it's just a damn label on the pack. You don't know until you really do the accurate measurements of it. Yep. Um, yes, you can run. I've even heard Mr. Mel say this in his videos with a really good, solid, high C pack. And when I say high C, I'm talking like 35, 33, 34. True C rating pack, you generally can get away with and or might even need to run a a, a lower governor gain. I know that that's the case in V-Bar. Um, but for the most part, it's not going to be a huge difference. But a good governor can really mask for bad batteries, but it's kind of one of those, like, what's it doing to your speed controller behind the scenes? Yep. You're just flat out going to work your speed controller a lot harder to get uh, to get the same result out of it. So, Ryan, thank you. Great question. Great, great, great yeah. question. With all the time and money you put into your hobby, the last thing you want to do is throw away your flight experience on bad blades. From the feel of the heli in the air to its appearance on the ground, which blades you choose to bolt on is one of the most important decisions you have to make. That's why you need to put those old and busted blades to the side 
and make the switch to some new hotness. Brought to you by Burt Kammerer of BK Designs, switch rotor blades are sure to put the finishing touches on your heli. Whether you're into sport flying, hard 3D, or F3C, switch rotor blades will get the job done on everything from a 250 to an 800 class heli. And we're not just talking about main blades here. Switch has tail blades and night blades too. So stop wasting your time not flying the last brand of blades you'll ever need and make the switch today. www.switchrotorblades.com Justin, you've got one here. I'm going to have you, uh, I'll have you take this one. Go ahead and read this one off for us. This one is from, let me double check. You know what? I don't even have a who. It, oh, from Chad Potter. Yeah, Chad. About motor KV and gear ratios. So let's run with that. Go for it, dude. Yeah, so Chad writes, I've read your Gearing Explained article and I fully understand its contents. I'm not sure if you've discussed it at any length on air, but I'd like to know a little bit more about KV rating and the proper gearing. It's a kind of a theme tonight, huh? Yeah. The kinds of things that seem to come up time and time again at the field are proper motor selection and why, what gear ratios too tall or too short and why. Also to discuss some of the truths and myths behind the lower KV equals more torque, higher KV equals more RPM discussions. Do lower KV motors tend to have a higher amp draw, etc.? I know some of us would really like your take on this as you have a great way of explaining things and we can appreciate the nerd sessions. Yes, yes. people do appreciate my nerdiness. <laughs> you guys are awesome. So th- this is also a really, really good question, uh, Chad. And and to a certain extent, it does play into it. You know, Nick started out on on Ryan's question saying, put the motor KV aside and and really, that is true for the most part on his question. You don't have to worry too much about that, assuming you have set up your gearing correctly. OK, um, the way that you want to approach this one is to choose you. First of all, it all comes down to what the gearing capabilities are of the helicopter. OK, so you got to look at your your pinion options you got to look at your uh, your uh, total ratio to the head and see where that puts you. Uh, generally speaking, uh, you do not want to over or under gear a given motor. You want to choose a motor uh, that for its KV and your gearing and the head speed range that you're looking for, it is somewhere in the range of, and this is this is where, people's opinion will jump in. I'm going to say somewhere in the range of 50 to 80% of its uh, rated RPM. All right. And that play and why? Okay. So that plays into your question on the truths and myths part. Okay. Um, Why, you know, lower KV versus higher KV, more torque, more current, The basics are as follows. All DC motors have a very similar torque versus speed characteristic. Okay. Uh, As you increase the speed, you reduce the torque. 
and vice versa. As you reduce the speed, you increase the torque up to what's called the torque, the stall torque. Okay, it's it's called in math an inversely uh, proportional relationship. It is linear. It's not a nonlinear curve. So when you reach max rotational speed, that's what's called the no load speed. And when you reach minimum rotational speed, which is stalled, that's your max torque. Maximum power on a motor is at half of the rotational speed and half of the torque. So somewhere in the middle. And so that's my reasoning for gearing to a motor speed that's between 50 and 80 percent. All right. So that when we're dipping into motor RPM uh, under load, we're never dropping much below the max power point. Uh, In terms of KV effects, KV is a simple thing. It's not complicated or magical. It is, again, how many RPM do I get per voltage or per volt of potential put across my windings, all right? So if you've got a higher KV motor at the same voltage, then it will give you a higher RPM. And a lower KV motor will give you a lower RPM. Well, now you bounce that off of the torque versus speed curve that I just talked about. And a lower KV motor at the same voltage will be at lower RPM, which is probably going to give you higher torque than the higher KV motor at a higher RPM. The uh, in terms of current, the current tends to go up as we increase the KV. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reason for that is in motor winding to increase the KV Uh, What you tend to do is wind less overall wire or have a lower winding resistance. And so uh, for the same voltage across the windings, you're going to push a whole heck of a lot more current. So now I'll I'll apply it or Jesse, you want you want to jump in there? No, go for it. Okay, so I'll apply it to now that Justin's got the technicalities how do uh, you know how do i apply it i am an 80 i am a 20 percent headroom guy and that first we need to achieve and i think something that justin he he mentioned but maybe we didn't get your number one goal is figure out the head speed you want to run or the range it all has to start with that then go from there go what are my pinions available or what are my you know mechanical choices available? Then finally, go for your motor KV because you have to know. I mean, motor KV to me is last. I don't want to r- buy a KV motor if I'm on the lowest and or highest pinion that's available. But I also, me personally, I tend to lean toward lower KV motors um, with a higher pinion count. Uh, why is that? Well, because I'm getting a little bit more gear mesh with a higher pinion count or, you know, tooth in a belted application. So I prefer that uh, in for like a helical cut gear pinion versus main gear. A 12 tooth is inevitably going to uh, last a little bit longer and be stronger set up than an 11 tooth would on the same because you're getting more tooth contact. 
Um, the next is to deal with your specific governor. You know, Castle has yeah. a different amount of headroom that it works well with than Contronic does, than, uh, you know, uh, VBARGov does, than Icon Governor does. For most of the time, I I got to tell you, it's still up, and I, I'm going to die the day that it gets taken down. If you Google Mr. Mel's head speed calculator and you haven't before, your whole world's going to change because it is the head speed figure for dummies, period. <laughs> it is awesome. He did a great app. You can even get it out of the app store. I go in there. I plug in my pinion count. I plug in my desire, um, and I just look at what it comes up with for, okay, here's your head speed range, and he'll spit it out, and it'll say, uh, for okay governor performance, for so-so, or for great, or whatever. What that usually ends up figuring out is that I believe that 20% headroom for external, for most of the external governors that I've ran is, is a really good range. Much more than that um, in like the Icon and the V-Bar and even Castle for that matter, you run into situations where the, the governor has so much room to work with that it can peel the throttle back really far, and then when you super hard load it, it'll just completely pour the coals, <laughs> and you end up getting a tail kick that is very difficult to get rid of. And yep. I'm mostly talking in harder 3D flight here. So by limiting the governor's performance, it's kind of an oxymoron, really. We're saying, wait a minute, I, I want to make it better by letting it, slam against a hundred percent duty cycle, but what, well, sometimes yes. For what kind of flight do you want it for in a harder 3d? That is what a lot of people do because we don't want that tail to kick. And I don't care what fly barless system you got. It, it doesn't matter if it's V bar icon, this or that you, you take <laughs> 11,000 Watts worth of potential power and put it front in front of a tail rotor, and you can do something to it to make the tail not be tunable, <laughs> to not tune out that tail yes. kick. There is too much power available. These models are so overpowered. That's why you say, well, wait a minute. Man, my tail was rock solid with this tail gyro in my nitro, but I can't get it tuned with this fly barless system in my electric. Yeah, well, guess what? We've got four times the power there. The potential power. So by limiting that headroom, you can help reduce that a little bit. 20% is about the happy mark. Castle, I'll even get closer up to 10% just because they've got a, um, again, when using the internal governor, they've got a wicked tail kick that can happen under certain maneuvers if you give it much more headroom than that. So you have to sacrifice, you know, I guess you sacrifice performance but gain a little bit of different kind of performance. So that's how I choose. And I personally go toward lower KV. Higher KV motors tend to run, generally, in my experience, hotter. Would you agree, Justin? Well, it's because you're running higher currents. Yeah, more current. Absolutely. So I'm not, you know, in my models, I'm not near tapping out these motors. Uh, I am. My, 
He, yeah, he is. <laughs> so it's again whole different ball game. Yeah, um, for speed yeah. you want high KV. Yeah, so for, for 3D, me, I, it's no. more of a balance. No, yep. I go. I trend towards a lower KV motor and higher tooth count, about twenty percent headroom. Uh, use that online calculator. I go for the about the middle one that he spits out. As far, I think it's like so-so performance. And you'd be surprised. I really believe that m- probably most people out there are running a tooth count higher than they need to be. That's just kind of my personal mm-hmm. opinion. Because I think you start out with, yeah, well, everyone, like, you know, back in the T-Rex 700 days, everyone's got a 12 tooth because that's what it ships with. And everyone loves the 520, 45, 25 scorpion motor right because it's badass they slapped that in there oh my god this thing's got so much power they fly it around at you know 2000 well that's over geared i mean it is now i'm not saying it doesn't work but you could you could potentially get into a more efficient situation if you got your gearing correct and a better flying helicopter because it wouldn't have too much headroom for that governor yep yep that's my uh, my two cents. Great nerd rundown, by the way, Justin. I like motor shit. Yeah, I know. We, I see that. Having a trailer full of new hellies isn't anything to complain about, but we're still talking about the same old dumb thumbing triple sow cow and Charlie Chaplin Ottawan pilot behind the sticks. Now, I'm not exactly easy on my helis, and when I need parts, I need them fast. This is where Lower Heli comes to the rescue. With a great variety of my personal favorite heli parts and batteries, no matter how bad the crash, I'm sure to be able to get right back in the air to do it all over again. Fly lower at www.lowerheli.com. Okay, we've got one here. Justin, I'm going to need you to put a seatbelt on. (laughs) Brace brace yourself Uh and and get out the defibrillator in case you're going to have to give it to yourself in case you stroke out for a second. Go ahead. I can't wait to see what this one is. This this one is from Rick Nixon. And I'm just gonna read this, uh, read this straight off, and then we will we'll do a little debunking here. And first off, Rick, thanks for writing us. We really do appreciate it. Uh, he says, "Okay, I understand your theory about why three blade heads are less efficient than two blade heads. The theory is right, but you have equipment that can log power consumption. Um, compare a simple hover, same head speed, two blade versus three blade." It takes X watts to hold a 12-pound helicopter in a hover. Therefore, the power consumption for a three-blade head should be identical to a two-blade head. Drag is the issue. You argued more drag for the three-blade head. With three blades, the work is less for each blade. Divide the watts required to hover the heli by two, then by three, okay? Here's my theory. Because each blade in a three-blade head has less work to do, the angle of attack can be smaller, less drag. This may explain why 
er, this may explain the feel that Nick describes. So put your money where your mouths are, do some tests, measure power consumption, and let us know. By the way, I think the three blade head for the 180 would be awesome. Can't wait for each new show. So again, Rick, thank you for writing us. Uh, <laughs> Justin, are you still with us? I'm here. Yes. Are, are you here? Is still in good spirits? I'm. I'm in good spirits. Rick has good questions. He does that. He and, does have. And I, I'll. I'll start out by saying I would love to do that testing. I would love to get some data. I agree completely. Uh, uh, and maybe well, we'll have an opportunity to do that. Yes. Who knows? Now that I, you've got a three-blade head. I think where the confusion is, is that uh, the statement of it takes X watts to hold a 12-pound helicopter in a hover. It does not take X amount of watts. Watts is the incorrect measurement for this. If we're going to if we're going to talk about what's it take to keep a helicopter and hover, it takes thrust. Yeah. Th- thrust. Yeah, it is it the, takes force. Yes. Force or thrust. Okay, is if the I've got a 12 pound heli in a hover, it's static. That yep. means there's 12 pounds of thrust offsetting its weight. Correct. Okay. To keep it, to keep it up off the ground. Now it, what we can't do and where I think we're Rick gone wrong here is that he's saying same head speed two blade versus three blade well if we take the same head speed we are now we're and add another blade we're changing the thrust it's not well just i mean i can take i guess what i'm getting at is i can take my helicopter and put it at 1600 rpm and it'll hover or i can put it at 2700 rpm and it'll hover both of them but what i am wasting or what i'm you know what i mean i don't i'm overspeeding it uh what's a, i'm i'm losing my train of thought here cuz it's just it's so it's no you're hard right to I, I mean look the bottom line is that the 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 way to look at it it takes an an equal and opposite force to balance an object in a static condition you're hovering the helicopter it weighs 12 pounds i need 12 pounds of thrust okay in order to in a perfect situation in reality it doesn't work out quite that way but we're not going to get into second order effects 12 pounds of thrust to hover a 12 pound helicopter the power that it takes to produce that 12 pounds of thrust can be very different depending on the configuration of the model. Uh, It is a function of the head speed, like you just pointed out, Nick. That's why the difference between a three-blade and a two-blade, would it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, Mm -hmm. okay? The three-blade at the same head speed as a two-blade, you're right, Rick, would require less total collective pitch but you're now moving a third blade at that same speed with all of its profile and skin friction drag. So that plays into it. Um, uh, the, the other aspect of it that affects things, right, is uh, the airflow around the blades and the helicopter. It may take more power to produce... Uh, um, 
the amount of net thrust on the helicopter that is necessary to keep it hovered uh, if you're using a big fatty fuselage versus a skinny podden boom. Yep. Okay. Or different different blades or different blades yeah, with so a different we, tip profile yeah let's yep. say we had some we had some scale blades right some uh symmetrical ones and i mean or, or even let's go even to two huge extremes same head speed same pitch same everything are are two pieces of one by two wood going to require the same wattage to hover a helicopter versus two sets of nice carbon fiber blades? No. In order to get that thing up off well, the it, ground, you're going to have to spin them significantly faster, which is going to require more wattage. But if it does get off the ground and hover, the thrust is the same. That's it right. requires X amount. So the thrust is the constant here. There are so many other variables to achieve that. Well, and I think it, one thing you really have to consider, too, and you've kind of been alluding to this, is just the system efficiency. Because you're taking power in one form and converting it to a you know a form, or you're taking energy in one form and converting it to energy in another form. And how efficiently it's doing that is going to change the amount of energy input that's required to get that same output. Yeah, and that that's not measured in wattage i mean it's just not that's one of the many variables you know we can take the same two different sets of blades and to get it to hover one one set of blades same head speed um, you know they might require for you know whatever 150 watts worth of power the other set might only end up consuming 120 watts worth well, and you can recast the question in the form of what head speed do I need to run a three blade head at to uh, equate to the same power output of a two blade at another head speed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. so hypothetically, you're running a two blade yeah. at 2000 RPM and in a hover, you're consuming 300 watts. So now I've got to go down X amount of RPM on a three blade to get to 300 watts. I don't know what that is. You could do the testing to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Or but if you the, were to the, keep I the- think the bottom line is, Rick, that it's about thrust. It's not, it's not necessarily about the power. The power is a consequence of how you choose to produce the thrust. Yes. And as a result of the fact that a three-bladed head uh, is in general less aerodynamically efficient than a two-bladed head, uh, you will expect to see that for the same output in thrust, it will require more power. The test would be probably easiest performed in like layman's terms by doing a fixed pitch, you know, putting five degrees of collective in it and then leaving it there and doing minimum RPM just to get it up off to the ground into a hover. Yeah. And then seeing the amount of wattage that it took yeah, to do that. that's one and, way to do it. And logging it with your ESC. Because you just, you have to do as many constants as possible to really accurately measure wattage. So the only thing that you can change is the is the head speed and the number of blades. Yep. And it has to be minimum. It, I mean, just 
barely getting this thing off the ground, trying to keep the thrust the same. And we'll see. If I get a three-blade head for my 770 this season, Rick, uh, since it is likely to have a Cosmic on it pretty soon, I'll have all of the tools necessary to, to get that data, and I would be happy to get that put together and even do a little tech tip on it with some of the data plotted out so we can see what we get. Cool. Very valid question. I, you know, nice. I read, I read through a lot of forum posts, and holy cow, some of the <laughs> the reasonings and uh, why this is better, and and no, you you know, this math is wrong, and that this is, you know, for the non aerospace engineer, or for the non engineer, this is really confusing stuff. I completely understand why people would say, well. Three blades, I would think, would be more efficient because you can spin them slower and take less pitch to do the same thing. So that you're using less power, right? Well, it's not, and it is complicated, but um, when you kind of break it down, then it's a little easier to, to grasp. Do you have any more? Nope. No. Cool, because I think we're out of time. Not before we give something away. Oh, oh yeah. Who is armed with the winner, winner, chicken dinner button? Jesse, of course. As yeah, always, can... we'll do the honors. And I will, while he's getting ready, uh, we are giving away some Scorpion tools. Yes. So thank you very much, Scorpion Power Systems, for providing what, in my opinion, are the most badass tools on the market. Oh, yeah. Love them. Justin, now that you have partaken. in the light. Please, winner, winner, chicken dinner, citizen number three. How many no times we got to tell three. you? We can't no. win. <laughs> no, it's three. actually programmed out of the button. Yeah, like it, it can't happen. No matter Damn how many it. times we hit the button. You have been coded out of All the right. matrix. Okay, well, who, who's going to get them, Jesse? All right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. The winner of the Scorpion Tools is citizen number 58, Dave Corning. 58. Nice. Congrats, Dave. 58. 58. Congratulations, number 58. That's a pretty low number considering where we're at. That is. That is a very low number. That's a diehard right there. Yeah. Well, cool. Awesome. Now, guess what? We're going to back-to-back this shit. Yes, I am excited oh, about this. Yeah. I see I see your awesomeness of just winning with the winner-winner chicken dinner. <laughs> and I freaking raise your awesomeness to another one that we are going to do. We are going to give away... The most popular helicopter of the year so far. We're going to give away a Goblin 380. Oh, yeah. Nice. That winner, just... winner, chicken dinner, 003. No. <laughs> no. You are matrixed out. I told you. I'm it's going done. to change the code. Yep. Not, not fair. Not fair. Well, <laughs> yep, it is true. Uh, we need to say thank you very much to SAB for helping us provide you guys with this. Uh, just fantastic on their part. Why are we so pumped? Because we know you are going to love it. There's nothing cooler than giving away stuff. 
than giving away really cool shit we know you're going to love. Oh, yeah. This is a no-brainer. Like, yeah. Yeah. No-brainer. Unless so, you just are completely against small helis like we used to be, or at least I used to be, <laughs> then this is the small heli for you. But even if you are against it, you can this still give it to citizen one. number double ball three. <laughs> <laughs> no ball three. No this, ball. This is the one that could change your mind. Guarantee yeah. it. Oh, yeah. If anyone's going to do it, this is going to be the one. So we're going to let this one soak for a couple weeks. We want to get everyone a chance because I guarantee you there are people that are like, what? What? Wait a minute. Ah, I got to go get signed up because I want to win this. So go get your citizen registration. Get that all done. $10, one time, forever, last forever, no renewal, none of that BS or nothing. 10 bucks get you into this. I'll take $10 raffle tickets all day long for this. And oh, yeah. you know what? The year is early. We've got a lot more stuff left to give away. So get signed up now. Tell your buddies about it. Tell your wife about it. Have her sign up just to give you another chance to do it. Well, I mean, seriously, really. It's a, it's a free shot. So. Yeah, we can't even use our family members. I know. <sighs> kind of At least not under their real name. Well, that's, speaking that's... <laughs> speaking of signing up, dudes, we have officially gone live with our FunFly webpage. Oh, RCHN3 yeah. nice. is in the works as we speak. September 17th through the 20th of this year, just south of Portland, Oregon, in Dayton, Oregon. Uh, you will have seen the updates on Facebook. Go to our homepage and click on the FunFly banner or the flyer in the top right, and that'll take you to the actual FunFly webpage. It'll give you the description of everything, where, when, how, hotel options in the local area. Um, uh, it will give you a link to an RC flight deck page where you can go and register or pre-register, actually. So registration is going to be $35 flat fee to register as a pilot. You got to have an active AMA, just like a standard fun fly. Uh, and that'll cover you for all four days. No additional camping fees. We've got over 2,000 feet of flight line north facing, oh, yeah. uh, which is awesome. And it is all campable. So bring your RVs, your campers, trucks, tents, whatever it is that you want to do. We're going to so be set so up excited. on site for multiple flight stations, uh, night flying, all of our competitions. It's going to be awesome. So get it on your calendar. If you guys got questions, feel free to let us know. The other thing is, like we've always offered in the past, uh, uh, particularly those people who are traveling from far away, if you don't want to or don't have the ability to check your heli stuff in as baggage on the plane, then let us know and you can ship it to one of us and we'll bring it to the fun fly with you. Yep. Uh, we're, we can't do that for everyone because we're going to run out of room, but it, you know, keep us posted and we'll see we'll what do we can it come on up with. First come, yeah. first serve. Yeah. Okay. First come, first okay. serve. Right. Basis. And you know, uh, Someone posted on the Facebook event, they brought up a really good point. Uh, flights into Portland, 
are generally not expensive. Yeah, in comparison to others, and that two hundred round airport. trip was yeah. this guy from uh, from L.A. I think yeah, from Southern California, right? Yeah, like two hundred round trip, dirt cheap. So don't just assume. Ah, I don't want to. I'd have to fly. Look into it first. Cool, man. Well, we better just get the hell out of here. Yeah, wow. We did go long. This one is for you, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, right in the old Bert hole. Just for you. Okay, uh, let's do some emails. Justin, if I wanted to get a hold of you, how would I do that? You could get me at justin at rchelynation.com. Jesse, you could send me an email to jesse at rchelynation.com. And you could send me an email at nick at rchelynation.com. Uh, if you wanted to get in touch with Dan, you could send Dan an email at dan at rchelynation.com. And for all of your citizen and apparel store questions, that goes to ken at rchelynation.com. On that note, uh yeah let's get out of here yes it is time it is time this has been episode number 183 we hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it thank you everyone and let the sim contest begin (laughs) it is on oh yeah This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, and Spartan Flybarless Systems. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to send us an email. Oh, that sounded wrong. <laughs> well, you're the one over there. I know it's you, too. <sighs> like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <No> shit. <laughs> Sniffing his own butt. <laughs>